0: Hi, everyone. This is my bonus episode, or just afterthoughts with the Burt Kreischer episode that we posted on Monday. It's always interesting for me to interview. You know, it's like I talk so much to scientists and doctors that when I talk to people that are doing a different type of craft and then getting a lot of attention for it, it's it's always an interesting and different dynamic. Enjoying that Burt has really... Taken off later in life, it it got me thinking, and I was asked a few different questions, and one of them was really talking about friendship and how Bert was kind of resistant. Whether it's you know to be with Tom Segura, Rogan, you know Rogan specifically saying like you have to let us be your friend. Um, It got me thinking about friendships, and I was asked you know about me maintaining or letting go of friendships and relationships as time progresses and we do get older. You know, I typically am not a person who. I would say I'm pretty polite with people but I, I I don't know if it's I was an only child if I've kind of been pretty self-contained but I have friends from still from when I was very very young so I have a tendency to be really loyal but there's just not that many of them and I feel like there's then you have the energy um and typically I guess for me I I sum it up like this all of my closest friends are self-governed it, they just seem naturally to not be somebody who would kind of mess with you or try to provoke you. Um, And they're always the people that you wouldn't mind if they stopped by unannounced, but they just don't. Those seem to be the people I'm closest to. I guess for me, I, I just want to be a person who creates space for my friends. Like there's no, I'm sure you've experienced this. It's like once you realize like you have a chemistry with somebody and you love them, then the rules go out the window. And so I have people that like they really can't do any wrong. And cause within it, it's like all the messiness, You don't. it's like, you don't even care. And then the people that you maybe have less chemistry with are the ones that you have to look at yourself and be like, oh, well maybe you're just not gonna be close, close friends. Cause it seems like certain things bother you. And then all of a sudden internally you're criticizing them and things like that. And I just don't have that in my, in my friendships. I haven't let go of that many adult friendships, one or two. And those are hard, especially for females because we feel obliged. And we feel like we're supposed to, you know, in order to be a good person. And and so these are people that I I love and I would do anything for. But to be around them, I'm not I can't actually be myself. And maybe that's one of the the big things is I just need to be able to really be myself and feel like that that that's okay. Or, you know, when you have to work for the conversation or it's just it's always something. So I I've also I'm completely become comfortable with just letting friendships kind of they have their season and their time, and it doesn't make you a bad person or an insincere friend if you know people kind of move on from that. Um, I will say for men, um, if and if you read Strength to Strength um, by uh, the last name is Brooks of the author is is how men usually have less friendships. So it was interesting to hear Bert kind of being in this boys' club job, and I think it's very important for males to have in any way, like just a, you know, some kind of club of their own, whether they work out together, they talk about books, they complain about their partners, whatever it is. I think that's very important for men to do that. I think women, we, we have a tendency to use community a lot more and have, you know, more girlfriends. Laird always jokes that, you know, he'll, if we weren't together, that he'd sort of be a crusty guy and I'd probably be with all my friends. But um, and, you know, I was asked, like, what do, I, what do I look for for people around me? I'm not looking for anything. I mean, when people have the ability or courage to be themselves, that's one thing. And I, I say this, and this is harsh. I think in all relationships except one, and that's the one from a parent to a child, I think we have to ask ourselves, what do I get? And that doesn't mean a thing. It could be like, hey, when I'm around that person, they make me laugh, or I learn so much, or... Just their, the way that they live inspires me. I think it's really important. So for me, I think it's that. I check in with myself and I'm like, what do I get? What is fed in me from this person? And that's really my only requirement. And so I think it's that's really an honest way to be. And except, again, I, I never ask, like, what am I getting from my daughter's <laughs> So that seems to be the only one, even with your partner. It's like, I love my husband so much, but I'm very clear about the things that I'm getting from this relationship. And it it doesn't mean, you know, like handbags. It means whatever. I feel protected. I feel loved. I feel wanted. I'm inspired um, by somebody who gets up every day and is looks like they're doing their best and is trying to be honest, like all these things, whatever that is. So I th- I think we're, when people go unconditional love, I go, yes, and, but... So maybe that's more it. And, and obviously the rules for my friends are a lot looser or internally because they live outside my home. I'm probably a lot tougher, obviously, on my partner in that way, or the friends that are, you know, sort of in my space every day. And, you know, people come into my life in all different ways. Like I meet them through other people. I mean, Laird and I are sort of move around a lot. We invite people to come and train, but I'm asked if I, if I make the effort to cultivate I don't I wouldn't say I make the effort to cultivate, but what I would say is if you come over, let's say you come to my house and we train and I think, oh, this person, I don't know, they maybe I I would like to know them better. I'm I'm very big on gathering and Im- inviting people to come and eat and break bread. That's sort of how I go at at it. So I just go on my feelings, like, oh, I, I'd like to know them more and, and bring them in. And it's weird, it's with the idea of giving to them, not with taking from them, but like Nurturing them and wanting to feed them and and sort of giving them love and and understanding that that also will be an opportunity to kind of know them better. So I guess I I do cultivate it that way. And there is no checklist. I, I think everyone is so different in what they bring to to the tables and what we need from from different relationships. It it's sort of like it could be the smallest thing, you know. It's I don't need a lot from people. I think that's on us to satisfy kind of some of those greater things, but. Just like the things I mentioned earlier, um, but I I I I have friends that I've had for literally my entire life, and uh, maybe I don't see them very often, but we do check in. And I have um, someone I work with that is a very very close friend. I always say that she, you know if I had a sister, it would be her, and uh, I've just always had chemistry with her. So we're part of each other. It's weird, like we work together and we talk all the time around work, and we love each other. But we don't actually get to visit that much, and our families are not particularly close. But yeah, this is one of my closest friends. So I, I think it's like letting them be however they are, and appreciating what the friendship, what each person is bringing to the friendship, and not saying like, oh, we need to gather at least get together at least once a week or once a month. But just it is kind of how it is, and and um, you know, different spouses have different chemistries, and it's all of that. So I don't put rules around it. And looking at Bert's sober October experience, um. Takeaways, you know, things that came out. I, you know, listen. A lot of people commented, like, "Oh, you know, Bert just drinks and all these things." Well, first of all, I, you know, I will have been married to L- to Laird in a couple of weeks for twenty five years and together twenty seven. And for the first twelve years of our marriage, Laird was wrestling uh, alcoholism. Um, and when I say that, it's like he'd start at four, let's say. And only drink wine and stay at home and get up super early, 4.30 or 5, train like a madman or go surf or do whatever and was showing up for the family. But he was an alcoholic and a great person. Um, but it was very interesting for me because I, I grew up, uh, in, you know, in the Caribbean and a lot of people around me drank. And maybe I don't have quite that switch, uh, so I, I will never pretend to understand but I, I certainly watched Laird and it was really fascinating because it was difficult and it was even maybe more insidious because he was at home. It wasn't like he was out at the bars. And, um, and so we, you know, we had to go through something pretty dramatic for him to choose uh, to be like, oh, maybe it's not for me. So I, I always say, I understand it from all sides. Like it can be very, it can be really like maybe in the case of Bert, where he's out and he's entertaining people and having this kind of later time lifestyle. Laird had an early morning lifestyle. It's more obvious. And he also seems more good natured. <laughs> Laird, Laird turned, like Laird was, I don't know, he had this other look in his eye and not that the family was unsafe, but he wasn't a good time Charlie where Bert obviously seems like the life of the party. But all of this can be very dangerous because if these people can do this and be high functioning, I think this is where it's interesting. Um, because what is the collateral damage that we're not seeing? Um, what are the conversations that the, our children are going to have with us or our partners or whatever? I knew with Laird, I, I didn't think I could deal with it forever, but I, I was in it. So I was, you know, I was being codependent. I was, you know, kind of a participating in him keeping things together. Um, but I we did ha- sort of get to a place where it was like, okay, we had a come-to-Jesus moment. It was like, if you need this, I totally will back you. We can raise our family together. But I, I just can't do this anymore. Um, and I, it was something he chose because, you know, Lord knows you can't tell anyone what to do. I definitely can't tell Laird what to do when it comes to alcohol. This really has to be someone's epiphany. I guess for me what's tricky about Bert's is he's like, so fun. And he is outlaid and it is, does seem to be part of it. And now it's part of the expectation and it's part of the machine and all of that. So I don't know. It's, and it's also personal, you know, it's like between each couple and each individual, but it will be interesting to see where it goes because, you know, he's got a big full life with the businesses and, and, you know, family and busy schedules and your health. There's always that. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like a guy like Bert will at some point probably, you know, pull back a little or phase it out because what you see with certain people, and I saw this with Laird is Laird was trying to self-medicate and deal with whatever feelings he was dealing with. But in the end, end he's not a self-destructive guy. And so I think he understood, um, okay, I'm, I'm not in charge of this anymore, but yeah, it's, it's always been an interesting thing for me to be around people, um, with alcohol. Cause like I said, in the Caribbean, uh, it was, it was pretty prevalent and, uh, you know, my stepfather's from Puerto Rico and it's just part of the culture. And it's weird to me. Like it's, it seems more weird when you don't drink as an adult. I never really had a practice of drinking alcohol. Um, and I, I, again, I don't have an opinion about it. It just wasn't my thing. Um, You know, I've probably gotten drunk a handful of times, you know, including college, but it's like people think it's weird when you don't. And I just always thought that was fascinating. This podcast is brought to you by Quince. I know all of us want luxury things and we love high quality, affordable pieces. And Quince really has this in spades because I think for me, I'm interested in getting nicer pieces, just a few, not a ton, get those essentials and you can transition them easily from one occasion to the next and not get crazy with your spending. So for example, I ordered a pair of black linen pants. I've even gotten, they have a hundred percent Mongolian cashmere sweaters for like $50. So, you know, I think sometimes you do want to change it up, but you don't want to spend a ton of money all the time. And they've got... Beautiful items: organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops. This goes, you know, like near and dear to my practical side, and even timeless 14 karat jewelry. So the best part: all Quince items are priced 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. And you go, okay, well, how are they doing that? It's really simple. They're partnering directly with top factories, and so they cut out the cost of the middleman and they pass that saving on to us. And Quince, it really is on top of not only styles and materials, but also who is making their products, their factories that they work with, they know are safe, ethical, and responsible, practice responsible manufacturing and only use premium fabrics and finishes. I really love that. So if you want to explore all the incredible products on Quince and indulge in affordable luxury, all you have to do is go to dot com slash Gabby for free shipping on your order and a 365 day return. That's quince, q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash Gabby to get free shipping and a 365 day return at quince.com slash Gabby. This podcast is brought to you by Babbel. I don't know about you, but every time I travel, I kick myself that I haven't spent more time learning whatever language it is in the place that I'm visiting. It's like you want to connect with the people in a real way. Well, immersion, you know, that's the best way. But most of us can't move somewhere and, and you know, live there and learn the language, even though that's number one. But number two is with Babel. And the reason that is, is first of all, they have it's really quick. They've got 10 minute lessons, and but they're handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. But what I love about it is it's designed by real people for real conversations. It's like, listen, we all want to know, like talk about food and directions and things like that. And Babel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real life situations and delivered with conversation-based teaching. So you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. And that's the other thing I love is just combining that because you think, okay, maybe using a trip that you have planned or getting together with family somewhere, using that as your motivation to get going. And you don't have to pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that maybe don't really even help you you know, speak a new language. In fact, a show there was one study, they did studies at Yale, Michigan State, that Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours, that's nothing, is equivalent to a full semester at college. They've got over 16 million subscribers sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. So here's the incredible offer for a special limited-time deal for our listeners right now. You can get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com Gabby. So to get 50% off at babble.com slash Gabby. That's Babbel, babbe com slash Gabby. Some rules and restrictions may apply. And then the other side of it is taking the edge off. Let's say, because uh, people make comments like, hey, you know, it's like you work in concrete all day or you're a construction worker or you're doing something really hard every day and maybe not even something you're fired up about does it take the edge off? Does it give you some relief? So like, I honor that too. Like, I don't, I don't want to look past that and the understanding of that. So it's, it's kind of this weird calibration of is taking that little bit of edge off that stress somehow more beneficial for you. When does it become a problem? You know, just all of that. So it's, it's always such an interesting uh, conversation. So clearly in the interview, you can see Bert's doing it his own way. And, um, it's hard to do. You know, the The question was like, d- did I have any thoughts or input on when people should push and and when to, you know, let things come or follow? I'm not great at this because I seem sometimes to be a big pusher, but I don't always know if that's the way. I think it's a combination of allowing. I think certain things take a lot longer than we realize sometimes. And the problem is we'll see somebody kind of near us or doing something similar to us and Maybe their path is different and they happened early or quick. And so we think, oh, what's wrong with our path? All I can say is this, it's that definition of success. For me personally, I feel like the opportunity, even if you get the chance to pursue something genuine to who you are, that in itself is this, is the success. There's a lot of people who are working really hard and they're paying their bills they either were not put in the environment, they were not encouraged because you need to be encouraged, I believe, to pursue sort of some inner voice, your whisper, your creativity. I think you had to have a teacher or a coach or a friend, somebody to encourage you. So let's not forget that within this is like this kind of great luxury. Um, And, you know, I live with somebody who had a call like Laird and surfing. It's like a relationship. And he said, I might've had another job. I might've been a guy who worked in construction, but I was going to serve. I think it's, it's both, right? It's, it's like if it's really in you, and then you're fortunate enough that somebody goes, Hey, you should try that. You could do that. Then it's always being realistic. Don't be delusional. Like don't think you're more talented than you are or funnier than you are. It's like always good to keep your, you know, kind of head about yourself. But yeah, keep going. Why would we let anything or anyone, unless it was somehow really damaging our, our, our everyday life, from going for it? That's the success. Not, oh, you, like for me, Bert's not more successful than he was 10 years ago when he was in pursuit. He's just making more money and has more attention. The success was already that he was in a relationship with somebody that he loved They have their family and he was getting to do something that really turned him on. And he had a partner that was like, yeah, do it. I mean, that I don't know how it gets more badass than that. Now they're just, this is, I don't want to say the easy part because you're more busy, but the easy part is like, hey, there's money there. You know, like things are okay. You've got way more opportunities. That's the cool, that's like the kind of cool, fun stuff. So if there's something in you, it, is it harder In a different way, it's harder. For me to work at a cubicle and have a boss and be told what to do, that would have been the hardest. So for me, taking the chance, not knowing sometimes where your next job was coming from, um, taking the, you know, maybe a path less walked by others, that was actually an easier price for me to pay than having a boss and being told what to do. And I think uh, my husband's the same way. So it just depends on what price, how are you built, and always having those realistic kind of markers. I have always done a, a six-month, a one-year, a three-year, and a five-year, just so that you're kind of also keeping your head in the clouds and your feet, you know, sort of in re- in reality. Like, hey, you know, you're this age. You might want to take a look at this. This hasn't happened or it has. Things like that. Um, so I think it's a, it's a combination of both. Um, and there's something to be said for success a little bit later, even though we all want it sooner, believe me. Um, I still feel that way. I think I feel like I had a very decent like kind of mini gl- moment of success in very early, like my early 20s and my mid-20s. And then I I kind of backed off and, and then started having kids. And then Laird had more energy around his career. So it was like, okay, let's support him. And now I'm at this place and I'm sort of thinking, oh yeah, but I'd like to have more energy now that my kids are bigger around my work life. So it is interesting that you can go in and out of it But there's something about doing it later in life because I just feel like you're more clear about what it really is, which it's, it's just a chessboard. And if you have really good friends and you're healthy and, you know, you have enough money to pay your bills and eat, it's kind of, and you get to do, you know, you're pursuing something you want. It's like, we don't realize it's not really going to get better than that. Yeah, sure. You might. Bert might be selling out larger venues. And like I said, he might have more zeros in his bank account. It's still being really clear as you get older and knowing that sharing time with people you love and feeling pretty good in your mental and physical and spiritual health and so, and sort of having enough and getting to be creative or getting to be who you are in this world, that's really it. I mean, for me, I know it's, yeah, okay, world domination and more people know you and all of that but that's not even sustainable and there's always going to be someone who has more than you so i guess maybe getting it later you don't get tricked as easily into thinking like yeah attention or money <laughs> because that has its own set of of uh things but um regardless at the end this entire sort of commentary is I want to acknowledge that to be in pursuit of something that you love to do is really such a a gift to the person who gets to do that. Um, Because there's so many people that um, just didn't get that opportunity and they might've had equal or more talent. Um, They just, for whatever reason. And so I, I just want to kind of end it with that because you know, it's sort of like being able to analyze this at all is a luxury. And so it's, it's fun though to see it on a guy like Bert, who is very kind and sweet and um, doesn't take it for granted. So it is, you, you know, none of us can, we're all gonna cheer for someone like that where it's like, yeah, cool, it's happening for you. And you know, you're just gonna have fun with it and still be a kind and loving and humble person. So I hope you got the chance to listen to the original podcast. If you have any thoughts or comments, I'm always interested and open. Thanks for spending time with me. That wraps it up for today. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to The Gabby Reese Show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me at Gabby Reese on Instagram and Twitter. Aloha. Seeking the truth never gets old.